Are we ready? I'm ready. I'm Me ready. Too. Okay. Man, I feel so f- out of practice. This feels weird. They like- said it couldn't be done. They said once we all tore our ACLs that we can never get back in the game. <laughs> but here we are for season two. <laughs> oh, Bell, refill Mr. Franklin's glass, will you? Now, when you get up there tonight, don't drink too much. Oh, don't worry, I will. I want a whiskey and soda. Guess who's back? <laughs> back again. <laughs> Tipsy Terror's back. <laughs> Tell a friend. That's the and- only Eminem song I listen to. <laughs> I've created a monster because nobody wants to see Marshall no more. They want Shady. I'm chopped liver. Well, Actually, that's a lie. I'll give you. A I've listened to other without me. I've listened to a few other Eminem songs. I, I'm, okay, we're not getting into Eminem. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. I used to really like Eminem. <laughs> so did Harish. Did you really? I mean, I like Eminem as an artist. His music's good. He I've sucks never. as a person. I mean, whatever. But yeah, his music is good. He's a good rapper. If we're gonna, <laughs> I guess you're going to force me to bring it up. If we're going to talk about the Machine Gun Kelly Eminem beat. <laughs> <laughs> I know Molly's got interest in that. I got big stakes in that game, baby. And so. uh, <laughs> welcome to season two. Season two. <laughs> the sequel, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Tipsy Terror. This is a podcast where we get drunk and watch a horror movie and then record a podcast while after, right after, while we're still drunk and we cut in clips of us watching the movie like this clip. I hate her skirt because the spiral is right where her vagina is and it drives me insane (laughs) every time I'm watching it. And it's 2020 and it's season two. Hell yeah. Wow. Look at us. And that's why the... (laughs) the, Who um, thought we'd make it here? Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, this is how I win. This is how I win. Um, (laughs) The theme song was all the wrong... (laughs) wrong volume at different As it is in every single (laughs) episode. Because uh, out of practice, it's been a while. It's truly been a, a month. Yeah. It's probably been a month since we recorded. Yeah, yeah. Because we did it before Christmas break. L- less than a month, but we took a almost a month. We took a yeah. big old break. Several weeks, and we're back, and it's uh 2020, and our first movie <laughs> is Scream, the greatest horror movie of all time. Second, that it's also the movie we've always talked about doing, and then we realized Sam pointed it out. She's like, "Wait, we never did Scream." <laughs> <laughs> we're like, "Shit!" I think in our recap episode for the end of the year, I. Th- I want to say we briefly touched really? on this where we were like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to do it so it much because it's awesome. But we just, we were, yeah. I think we were all, in my opinion, this is my perspective. We were saving it for something special. That's what I was, I was wanting to save it for a special occasion. And I think this is a special occasion yeah. in season two. Mm-hmm. Big premiere. Feels Ooh. right. If this is your first time ever, ever listening, um, wh- why are you starting now? Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, we're reformatting some stuff. Um, used to in our original season, we did um, we started with 
uh, a trivia game and then we tried to recap the episode and then we would start with our discussion but in our end of the year review we all kind of realized that we hate the opening segments (laughs) (laughs) and they were horrible for us we hated doing it so now we kind of really just enjoyed talking and discussing stuff and having those opening segments just kind of really weren't fun for any of us so we just took them out so yeah get used to this for the year we just launch right into the bits Mm-hmm. And then from bits, we quickly transition to about 20 minutes of viable content. And then it's back to bits. No, so um, now expect more discussion with probably mostly Harish sprinkling in trivia throughout the whole thing. Though a lot of us were talking, like for this movie in particular, we know we all know quite a bit. Yeah, but this I feel like this is a good transition because we do know so much. That trivia game would not have been fun. Yeah. Right. I do want to say what my buzzer noise... I think my individual segment is going to be what my buzzer noise would have been. Okay. <laughs> my mom and dad's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> um. So we. I don't think we have it has said so far, but our first... Uh, the movie we're doing... That. You did? Yeah. You did. Yeah. God it's damn strange. it. The movie we're doing is Scream. I have a fun fact right off the bat. Yeah. yeah. This is the most popular horror movie from the year I was born. Oh, really? Nice. Oh, yeah. I forget. You're a 96 baby. 96. I always think this movie is from 95 and then I get really sad when I realize it wasn't. <laughs> um, another fun fact, this movie was originally going to be called Scary Movie. Yeah. And they changed it to Scream, but then the Dimension produced spoof was called Scary Movie instead. Yeah. That's one of my initial trivias that I just knew off the top of my head. <laughs> so let's start with our histories on this movie. Yeah, that's the thing we're keeping. What um, are your histories? I'll go. I'll go. I don't remember what year in high school it was that I discovered this. Um, I did this thing in high school because like, my family, um, we didn't do like spring break vacations. I never did anything big whenever I was out in school. So um Usually every year I would do like a movie marathon thing personally for myself, which is weird because I wasn't like a film kid in high school. It's just like what I did. And um, one year it was either sophomore or junior year, probably junior. It feels right. Um, I borrowed Scream. No, it would have been sophomore year. No, might have been my freshman year. The reason I'm debating this will come in in a minute. Um Scream 1, 2, and 3, I borrowed them from my uncle and I binged them all. And I I had spent my entire life terrified of Ghostface. I can't believe I used to be so terrified of that mask. Yeah. Uh, my uncle had a mask that like would terrorize me when I was a kid. Like We used to play this game called Ghost in the Graveyard and I have a distinct memory of him jumping out wearing that mask and it traumatized me and i <laughs> right. was so scared of that i i refused to watch scream for most of my life i still to this or no two up, up until a couple of years ago i would have this reoccurring nightmare about Ghostface dragging a dead woman um now my nightmares are michael myers if there's ever a famous killer <laughs> it's michael myers yeah. uh Ghostface is completely gone it's nice. usually michael myers talking me now um but like up for a lot of my life i had this consistent dream where Ghostface was just dragging a woman like down a street and specifically it was the street that my cousin Daniel lived on (laughs) um but uh so I refused to watch them and then finally in high school I was like you need to get over this fear watch them and then I fell in love immediately 
the um, Scream 1, 2, and 3 that I own on DVD are the original copies that I bought in high school from this closed-down store called Hastings. Uh, it was a box set that I originally had bought, and I um, then within a year after I fell in love with them, Scream 4 came out, and um, I got kicked out of the movie theater trying to sneak into that movie. Oh, wow. So, um, <laughs> but then we, my friends and I went to a different movie theater that didn't give a shit, and we watched it. We missed the first like five minutes of it because the screening was like timed that way but um so like i got into scream right before scream 4 came out and um it's my favorite horror movie series of all time now so sorry that was a lot but like my history with scream is just really extensive my um history with scream um is very brief i knew that sam liked it and i knew that our good friend friend of the pod uh quinn wright really Mm -hmm. liked it right and they would always talk about it and i was like i should watch that one day so I think I was just bored and looking for a movie, and I had finally... This was before I really got into horror movies. I watched this one. Mm-hmm. And the first like horror horror movie I watched was Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, so in related. High, in college, like my junior year of college. I think I watched this one pretty soon after that, and I was like, wow, that was really good. I liked that a lot. Yeah. It's really... Um, I thought it was very smart in just how it was written. And this is even before I got into a lot of horror, but... um. I just really liked it and I like saw like I get why it's um a lot of people's favorites and I get why you and Quinn had talked about it so much and it soon became my favorite horror movie. Oh, it's so good. So I know when I was in high school, uh scary movie would play a lot on TV and Oh yeah, I watched scary movies since I was like a child. Yeah. So I've watched Which scary, I shouldn't have. like I've watched scary movie in pieces a lot. Um so like Whenever I think of Scream, I often like confuse it in my head with Scary Movie because of that, Um, because it's a parody of Scream. But um, I I I think I believe that um, the first time I watched Scary Movie would have been on TV. Scream Uh, or Scary uh, Movie? Scream, yeah, Scream would have been on TV, uh, and also like in parts I I didn't watch the whole thing all the way through until like maybe college but like honestly like i don't remember at all um when i actually watched the whole movie all the way through but like would it have been me forcing you to watch it because i remember you and i binged all of them and within like a week or two i was like you need because i knew you hadn't seen all of them so i was like you need to watch all of them now well because i i know for sure scream 4 played on tv a lot Mm -hmm. when i was i lived in india in high school um and i i I remember, I vaguely remember watching Scream on TV, but I, it would have been like parts of Scream, not the whole thing. Um, and it probably also was just me confusing that with Scary Movie. But yeah, so like it was probably more recently that I watched the actual movie all the way through. But like it's definitely like a movie that I like and I like have known the like story of it for. It's- a long time it's funny that you bring up scary movie because like the crazy thing is like i was so scared to watch scream up until i got to high school but yeah. like i have seen scary movies so much i watched it the first time when i was like 10 or 11 like 
it's weird because like the the mask in that movie is essentially the same mask. It's just like a <laughs> With slightly dislike. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, the tongue's not out. It's just like the the mouth he's, like, is smiling. He's got like yeah, the like, smiley eyes. They mix right. it up, but like for the most for most of the movie, the mouth is just like more open. Um, yeah. But for some reason, I guess because it was in a comedy context, it wasn't scary mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um. But like I I just couldn't bring myself to watch the actual scary movie. But like I've liked horror movies my whole life. I don't. I just had like a mental block. I couldn't do the real scream series there's a horror movie i can't watch it's a horror movie for kids called don't look under the bed about oh, the I, Man. Yeah. I can't watch it i've never I, seen i've it. tried to watch it as an adult it scares the shit out of me <laughs> <laughs> it's still to this day like it just brings back something so deep right inside my psyche that i just can't untap I, we, we don't have time to unpack all of that <laughs> but yeah like um fuck i lost my train of thought um sorry no no, no it wasn't that it was just uh oh i i just want to do an initial note um we keep referencing scary movie. Mm-hmm. That is not a movie to watch anymore. Oh, <laughs> I, no. I really want to t- touch on like we, yeah. we're probably going to reference it a lot because I think a lot of our initial yeah. associations with Scream probably came from scary movie. Um, that movie is not not good. Not good. <laughs> and, um, yeah, very transphobic. Yes. If you don't know what scary movie is, it's like a line of like one of those parody remake movies. It kind of really kicked off that, parody remakes. Absolutely. The modern, like the 2000s parody yeah. remakes. And it's all about like all it parodies directly a bunch of different horror movies, specifically like with different scenes that reference other horror movies, but in a comedic con- com- air quote comedic content. It's weird because like to context. me, I think the series itself is like a really phenomenal thing right um i i still think the waynes brothers are like really yeah really uh, uh, like it's a it's a it's a really amazing thing like what they did with the scary movie franchise in um parody i think it kicked off a series of like bad movie genre but like scary (laughs) movie as a whole like i went and saw scary movie five in theaters like i like supported it and stuff (laughs) like that but it's um the original scary movie is just incredible the comedy in it is incredibly dated and yeah it's just not good in general like if you watch it there's honestly not enough in it to make you laugh to like think like oh i can freak like it's 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 awful truly bad if you haven't seen it honestly just don't waste your time but anyways, Scary Movie 3 was always my favorite. So, I mean, this was, like, kind of a group decision to do Scream, but, mm-hmm. like, it's your favorite movie, oh. Samantha. It will, okay. Why? So my, my favorite movie of all time is Days to Confused. <laughs> right. But my second favorite movie and my favorite horror movie of all time is Scream. And um, I think, honestly, if, like, just now I'm kind of thinking about this, but if we're going to, like, try to figure out why it's my favorite i think it's because it was such a big fear of mine that i overcame okay and like i think i just have such like a positive association with it but also um i went through four years of college where i was i didn't get a film degree but like i was studying film all through college i have a film minor and um just in a sense of film analysis and as i was learning stuff i was watching scream at least twice a year throughout (laughs) um i've seen it three times in less than a year in recent history um i think that i just think it's such a creative commentary on its own genre while also um breaking boundaries and making new roles for itself mm-hmm. right um i think that uh modern slashers owe a whole lot to it 
um, it pulled a lot of what it has from original stuff because Molly made a list and we'll touch on it later. This movie makes a shit ton of references to other movies, um, either through like what it does or just dialogue in general making references. Right. But um, I just think that it's just a groundbreaking movie in my opinion. And the fact that when I get online and I see mostly like eight out of 10 or four out of five reviews, I just don't understand. I don't get it. I talked about this in your next, uh, where I was like, I don't get why people, but like this one, I just like, I genuinely don't understand how like this movie is not a five star movie. Like it, it to me redefined slashers. A five star man. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's just, um, maybe it's just because I've brainwashed myself, but I just, I love this movie so much. This is the like best horror movie for sure. I put this this one. I don't know what I want to watch. I put Scream on. Exactly. It's a really good background movie if you've seen it a lot, Mm -hmm. and it's so good to watch. Like if you're paying really close attention as well. Even in this watch, we notice new things that we hadn't noticed. It's good. Yeah. And um, I agree with Sam. I think what draws me to this movie is how self-referential it is. About like, I love when movies talk about other movies, and this movie talks about (laughs) other movies so much. Yeah. But also, it talks about horror as a genre. As right. a horror movie, which is super um, well done. I've never seen it done before. I just, oh, I love this movie a lot. And um, yeah, it, yeah, I agree. I like your point about um, how while it does make self-referential stuff, it also kind of breaks in new boundaries mm-hmm. for horror. This movie changed, like, I think the trajectory of self-reference in horror. Oh, yeah, definitely. For sure. I um, So I looked it up because I was curious about whether this was the first like meta horror movie i don't think it's the first it's it's not the first kind of because like wes craven's new nightmare was <gasps> we um, started oh, that and we never finished yeah, we it. never what? finished it west I craven's new nightmare so, we, we fell asleep and we just haven't gotten around to- uh this movie scream came out in 1996 west craven's new nightmare is from 1994 so west craven's just a slut for meta yeah it's it's <laughs> Wes Craven's New Nightmare is like in, uh, I think it's like the fifth or sixth movie in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And the story is that it's like set in the real world. And um, like the story is that Freddy Krueger has come out and come into the real world and is like um, chasing the actress from the first movie from scary movie, Heather Landcamp um and whatever but like it's it's that um was before this and there are other movies that are like self-referential like i mean mm-hmm. fright night uh and return of the living dead are return examples of the living dead, yeah that's true return yeah. of the living dead like references <laughs> like night of the living dead and is like oh in the movie that they they like cut their heads off or whatever um and then fright night is also it's like less self-referential but it also does like use like they hire an actor from a vampire show to help them kill the vampire so like they use a lot of vampire tropes and like the idea like them knowing the tropes of vampire Mm -hmm. movies it helps them fight the vampire yeah have you seen the new dracula series that just dropped i want i'm dying that's what i was asking i'm dying it just came out on netflix i think maybe yesterday yeah my dad was watching it and he said it was pretty good okay yeah we should check that Sorry, out. Sorry, unrelated, not to yeah. distract. Um, but, but I think that's maybe why I like Return of the Living Dead so much. A lot of right. the same reasons I like Scream. Yeah, it has that kind of self-referential, um, self-aware quality. 
Um, and both of those, Fright Night and Return of the Living Dead are from 1985. Um, so <laughs> I did find that there is a movie called There's Nothing Out There. It's from 1992. And it's like super low budget, like nobody watched it. But the the guy who like wrote and directed that movie, super low budget. He like claims that Scream was like a ripoff of his movie. There's nothing out there, but it's like a similar concept. It's about um a bunch of people like in a, a cabin in the woods, and they get attacked by an alien monster. And uh, there, one of the characters is like a movie horror movie fan who like calls out. He he like knows what to do because he's watched so many horror movies. So like, there's a lot of that explaining the tropes. So like, um, the guy who like made that movie thinks that Scream is ripped off from him. Which whatever, like, I mean, like it's also like very low budget, so probably nobody watched it. But um, so that was another one that I found. And then the other example that I found, um, it's not horror, but Last Action Hero um, is a movie from, I think, 94. You've told me. You like this movie. We watched it Yeah, we watched it. I've seen it. So it's Last Action Hero. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) is the star. But, like, the, the story of that movie is it's a kid who gets a, he, like, gets a magical movie ticket and then, like, he goes to the theater, and, like, when he's watching the movie, he gets, like, put into the movie. So the kid is a huge fan. It's, it's like, not horror. It's more of, like, action movies. Yeah. And the kid... I think you've definitely talked yeah, about this. The kid's a huge fan of action movies, so he, like, calls out all the tropes. He's like, oh, look around. Why is everyone so hot? Clearly, this is a movie. He's like... Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, character is the main character of the action movie. Oh, And awesome. so he's, like... Um, he's like trying to convince Arnold Schwarzenegger that it's it's actually just a movie, and so he's like, "Why is everyone so hot? Clearly, this is a movie." And Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's he's like, "Um, it's California, of course, everyone's hot." Oh my god! And so like, there's a lot of like jokes like there's there's a point where um the kid is on a bike run like riding down a hill and um uh, there's a car running up and the kid's like i'm in a movie i'm gonna survive he he's like playing a game of chicken i'm in a movie i'm gonna survive and then he's like halfway through he's riding down towards the other car he's like shit i'm the comedy sidekick no i'm not gonna survive i'm the comedy sidekick and so he has to like turn off it's, it's really funny it's like it was like not very like highly regarded by critics but like i love it it's, it's awesome. just a fun movie but it's like basically scream but for action movies and that came out before this but yeah so like scream is probably the most um outright sufferent self referential movie to come out most popular um like completely self-referential type thing it like Mm -hmm. basically started the modern kind of like meta horror whole deal talking about the rules and horror movies yeah i I, we've we're touching on you know like we we really want to spend time actually dedicating time to each specific screen movie so i don't want to like get into talking about the series as a whole because i I would like to spend time with each of the movies because they're great but something that this series does phenomenally is that what this movie really kicks off is it just gets more fucking meta as it goes because (laughs) my favorite thing about the scream series begins on scream 2 and that is the existence of these stab movies (gasps) yeah and when we talk about scream Mm -hmm. 2 we'll get into it more but um 
they create Scream a movie within a Scream three. 2 is when it kicks okay. off and um a movie within the movie and like because <laughs> of that movie stuff happens and yeah. it's great it's great i love it anyways Scream 2 also kicks off um friend of the pod jerry o'connell hell yeah pod timothy oliphant <laughs> hell yes one of them i trust and one of them i do not <laughs> and based on scream 2 it's not what you think it's gonna be <laughs> that's awesome oh my god all right but yeah like um let's talk about the meta aspect of this like how do you think it did oh because awesome right of course the best part the best moment of sheer meta-ness is in my opinion when um randy who is the movie horror movie obsessed um friend character who knows about all the tropes and rules he's like drunk after everyone has left Stu's party and he's sitting alone on the couch watching halloween it's the scene in halloween where mike myers is coming up behind laurie strode yeah who was played by jamie lee curtis and he's yelling at the tv what everybody yells at horror movies when they're on right oh, turn around jamie turn around right. turn around and while he's watching this movie he doesn't see Ghostface creeping up behind him yeah and also an extra level harish pointed out the um or yeah it was you yeah the actor's name is right jamie i read Kennedy. it on imdb is why i noticed it but so he's saying turn around jamie and we're all like turn around randy but then it's also randy who is Played by a person named named Jamie. Jamie. So, like, he's literally telling himself to turn around. And he's not. (laughs) Yeah. So good. It's so good. I love that part. Um, Yeah, I think... So, like, whenever I think about meta... Like, I used to be super obsessed with that kind of stuff. Like that episode of Community? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Community does pretty well with... Like, so my thing is, like, nowadays when I think about, oh, this movie's meta, I'm like... I immediately roll my eyes because I'm like, that's the most, that's the easiest thing to do is pretend you're in a movie and like call that out. Like, cause like even in scary movie, like a lot of those parody movies Mm -hmm. do that just like as a joke. And it's like, it's just the laziest like jokes and like easiest thing to do. But most of the meta movies that I watch, like, actually, like, work it out pretty well. Like, make it work r- pretty well. Like, Deep Murder is meta. Deep Murder is meta. Kind of. Like, yeah. Deep Murder is meta. Yeah, you're right. Um, uh, But, like, again, like, it's not like the characters don't realize that they're in a movie. Right. So, like, it, it's more of, like, a we realize it's meta, but the characters don't. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I think, like, to do a good meta movie it has to it can't rely on the aspect that it is being meta so like it has to like have a good story if you if you took out all of the self-referential aspects it still has to be a good story exactly which applies in this like it's a good slasher movie if you just took out all the scenes where Randy explains the rules. Exactly. Or if they just took out every other reference or like yeah. quote or everything. Like right. Still Anytime they reference a horror movie, like if you took all of that out, it's still like a good story, mm-hmm. a good slasher movie that like works. It holds up like as a singular thing. But I think because it does all that, that it really pushes it to be my favorite. Yeah. It like gives it something special that other horror movies up until this point haven't had. Right. I think I agree with what you're saying where if something's like meta, I'm like, oh God, so eye rolly. Right. But I think that 
it's weird. This movie's not being meta for the sake of oh look we're so smart right it's this movie's being meta for the sake of it's the plot of the movie is that the meta-ness is a common and i i brought this up while we were watching it is that um something that i probably noticed before but haven't like critically analyzed is how much this movie is also a commentary on um media sensationalism Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just kind of realized like how much this movie is also about media sensationalism of like murder that's why I was talking about Nightcrawler. Yeah. I don't know why I never thought about like the analysis of media right. until just now. And I think that the meta-ness of it has to kind of do with its own commentary about society in general and how much we we what do we live in? A society. <laughs> but like this was from 1996 and now looking at us now how much we still and honestly even more continue to sensationalize like tragedies and um specifically things like murder like oh yeah we have podcast networks that are dedicated to just telling um listeners the details of like terrible murders right. and unsolved mysteries and um like, I'm personally somebody who listens to a lot of that stuff because it's one of the few things that can, like, keep my interest. And it's, like, really fucked up. And um, so it's, like, weird because the meta-ness to it is really... It's really just the movie's way of making the commentary on what the movie wanted to make a commentary on. And the best way for it to do it is to self-referentiate. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, Did yeah. Did I use the right words? So it's, like... Normally, I'm very eye-rolly to Medinus, but for this one, I can forgive it because, like, the only way it was going to make its point was to do what it did. So, the writer of this, Kevin Williamson, who, by the way, also created, <laughs> um, what did I say? Dawson's, Dawson's Creek. Creek. And also co-created Vampire Diaries and the following and has done a lot I'm of TV work. I'm also obsessed work. with Vampire Diaries. He also did The Faculty. I know what you did last summer. Um, he's done a bunch of good stuff. <laughs> and stuff we like but um uh he wrote this this was his first um actually produced movie but he wrote this based on the Gainesville Ripper who was a serial killer in Florida and that guy the Gainesville Ripper actually like stated that his motive was Movies? to become a superstar like Ted Bundy oh. he like wanted to be famous for being a serial killer so he wanted media sensationalism yeah and like that's why he did all of it so like it's interesting that you bring that up because like that is specifically what the motive of was for the guy who inspired this movie it's inter- I maybe this ties back to like why I love this movie so much because like the whole reason that I picked studying my my, i have a degree in communication from the ohio state university um as a reference to brooklyn 99 um uh and i like i minored in film so like i studied communication instead of film because i wanted to learn all of my communication classes if you look at my track record besides like the the required stuff was all media-based communication right because the thing that interests me the most out of like any topic in the world the thing that i think is like the most interesting thing is the way media affects society and like how you can use it to like brainwash people yeah and um like 
maybe that's why I like this movie is because um I don't think I don't think like things like movies and video games make people like more violent or anything yeah. like that but I do think like society obsession and um uh like praise of characters and stuff like that is what motivates people to do that does that make sense kind of so um i think a good example of this would be like pin badgley and you you watched the new season of you right okay <gasps> stop so, pin badgley fucking hates his character joe and you he yeah he should he, he <laughs> loathes this guy and right. when when fans come up to him and tell him like oh like i'm in well, love with him or whatever explain the character okay so if you've never seen you which was originally a lifetime series and now netflix owns the rights and they produce the second season um it's a great series i love it um it's based on a ser- book series it's based on a book series the book first book was called you and the second book was called hidden, hidden bodies. bodies um it's a phenomenal series and it basically puts you it's very dexter where it puts you in the shoes of the um the bad guy and in this case the bad guy is a um romance love obsessed stalker kind of serial killer guy who is a terrible terrible guy and the thing is he's played by pin pin badgley who is a very very good looking man um the way pin plays this character he is um very charismatic um he has certain morals that you as a person want to agree with but then also the thing that i i find most intriguing about the series is that like you keep forgiving him and then he does something in almost every single episode Mm -hmm. that you're like oh my god no like he is a very bad guy right and um pen himself has even come out and said like this is a very good representation on society's um, willingness to forgive a white man for anything. Yeah. And um, I think it's a great series. And the problem, though, is that a lot of specifically women in general tend to fall in love with a character like Joe. And they will tell Penn himself, like, oh, I think he's amazing. And Penn will come out and be like, no, like, don't <laughs> yeah. do not do that. Like, he's right. He is the ex- exact nightmare that you would have in your life. Like, don't worship this guy. But, like, we as society feel so removed from, like, this stuff that, like, we let ourselves fall in love with people like him. And I think it's something like that that's, like, what's really intriguing to me about media is, like, this is a thing that happens all the fucking time. And you brought up Ted Bundy earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, women were in love with Ted Bundy yeah. all because he was, like, this good-looking guy. But he literally murdered people like brutally and it's just like when you're looking at it through a screen like there's just something this effect in these like parasocial relationships that you develop and you can't help it and i think it's like really really fucked up so um this whole long spiel is just me tying back to like the whole reason that i studied what i studied in college is literally what this movie is about and i think that now that i'm thinking about it like that's why i'm tying back into it it's just like Media's fucked up, and I don't think that um, we should necessarily blame creators, but um, and I don't think that like media is what makes us violent. I think it's sensationalism is what makes people violent. Okay. I think we as a society need to stop obsessing over things like what we see on like TV. I just watched Nightcrawler. It's one of Jake Gyllenhaal's best roles to me. He's terrified. I've never been less attracted to Jake Gyllenhaal in my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I watched it literally yesterday. Another good example about what happens when the sensationalism of media drives 
this need to consume violence, but how it's kind of like a paralleled street, how like people's like want for violence. For violence, yeah. And that's like, focused it more on the, the media aspect, the news aspect. Yeah, exactly. It's like the more clickbaity you can get, the better. Exactly. Like, do you want to see like graphic photos of this person's? death like a lot of times it's like desensitized because you are exposed to a lot of it and you're like okay yeah sure but then media on the other hand specifically in this movie talks about um how they are driven to show stuff like that because it is what gets the rating so it's a really kind of cyclical relationship in our relationship with violence in media that i think has um this starts to talk about it but then um Watching it in the year 2020 has only gotten worse. Yeah. Right. Where I'm not surprised by a lot of the stuff I see. Yeah. When I watch yeah. the news, it's terrible. Well, so, it's interesting that you bring up uh, whether movies influence like bad people because there have been <gasps> copycat crimes from this movie. Um, on Wikipedia, really? they list three different um, murders that happened where the killers there were every single one was a teenager and they all claimed that they were inspired by scream there's like three um examples on on wikipedia but they all like used the scream mask and it was all like murder like they killed people close to them like the first one was in like i think 1998 it's this kid and his cousin um i think were 16 and maybe 15 they killed um, the one kid's mom, again, in, like claimed to be inspired by Scream. And then um, later, another killing happened where someone killed their friend, again, claimed to be inspired by Scream. Um, and then a, a third one happened in France where someone claimed that killed their friend, claiming that they were inspired by Scream. So I want to say but, my comments about how, like, media doesn't make people um so like studies have shown that um a normal like i don't want to say normal like a, a sane person like that doesn't have any pre-existing like condition or reasoning if you watch a scary movie or a slasher film it is not going to motivate you to kill somebody right the yeah. um general like very conservative audiences seem to have this belief that that's what's going to happen it does it does not do that typically in cases like that there is some already existing thing and just this was like the uh thing that pushed them to do it yeah this movie directly counters that point too billy says movies don't create psychos movies make psychos more creative which is not only the best line in the whole movie but it is true to that point so to blame scream for those murders is not the thing it's just they w- if Scream didn't exist, they would have gotten their inspiration from another thing. Exactly. It would have happened. Yeah, it's more of like a society needs to help people who are um, in situations that cause them. Or like, especially because like all of these were people who I think the oldest person in these three examples was 17. Oh. Um, so they're all like teenagers who like definitely like had troubled childhood and like that kind of stuff is definitely like mental illness that like needs to be um more of like society needs to deal with that like we need to have better resources for that kind of thing um 
that like helps these kids because like if it wasn't scream they would have been inspired by something else they would have been inspired by fucking like cartoons maybe they would have blamed metal music or something yeah exactly so like yeah it's it's definitely not the the fault of the creators of these kinds of horror movies it's definitely more of um i mean it's like in in individual case by case basis like i've seen this movie upwards of 25 times i'm not gonna go kill somebody right now um yeah but anyways yeah so like all this big loop thing was really just Mm -hmm. to say that the meta-ness of this movie to me is not eye-rolly because it is a genuine commentary on something rather than being um meta just for the laugh of an audience you know what i mean it's like it 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 needed the meta-ness to make its story have some grounding that being said i want to kind of roll into all the uh, movies this uh, movie references i wrote a little note on the phone call, they talk about Friday the 13th, um, Halloween, and A Nightmare on Elm Street, which are kind of the big three mm-hmm. in terms of slasher movies. Yeah. Um, this isn't in order. This is just what I wrote down. There's a specific scene where Principal Himbley walks out into the hallway, and it's Wes Craven dressed as Freddy Krueger, specifically right. parallels <laughs> visually and all that. And his this name is Fred. Yeah. Yeah, his name is Fred. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And it's him. It's Les Carpenter. Oh, yeah. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Wes Craven. Wes Craven. <laughs> <laughs> you worked your way through. <laughs> oh, for three. I said Wes Carpenter because that's what Tayden says. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. A scene from Nightmare on Elm Street where he's dressed like Freddy Krueger. Um, we all go a little mad sometimes when Billy kind of turns and you realize he's the killer. Is a He's quoting Psycho and he tells Sydney. That he's quoting Anthony Perkins from Psycho. Billy watching The Exorcist and coming in saying, The Exorcist was on, got me thinking of you. And also, there's a cameo from Linda Blair. Yeah. Who was the kid from The Exorcist. I like. I didn't catch it this time. I wish I... No, yeah. next time I watch it, I'll look out for that. It's also because like, we don't really know what she looks like no. as a grown-up. Um, Harish pointed out, Drive Down to the Mackenzie's is um, something the dad says to the mom when Casey Becker is getting murdered it's a quote from halloween yeah um don't fear the reaper which plays when billy breaks into sydney's bedroom the first time is a parallel or a reference to halloween when they're driving around and that song by blue oyster cole is playing basic instinct is a movie that they reference by name when they're talking outside the fountain Mm -hmm. uh randy no 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 Stu calls um billy the candy man yeah Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. in reference no. to how he says um, Randy calls he him branded that. him as the candy no, man Stu is, does. is the lion oh, is it's it? Stu. something okay. like that Stu yeah. calls him um, no Stu I'll get to that one I wrote that one down too Um, at the video store Frankenstein is playing yeah mm-hmm. Um, also at the video store they talk about the movie The Howling starring E.T.'s mom it's a werewolf horror movie right. E.T. also features Drew, Drew Barrymore Drew Barrymore um, Billy Loomis Loomis is the last name of the doctor from Halloween mm-hmm um the town that dreaded sundown um is just is they just basically say wow this is the town that dreaded sundown yeah they talk about evil dead hellraiser um as different movies to vote on when they're watching the movie they also talk about prom night jamie lee curtis who is in in halloween which is the movie they end up watching at the party um randy references that she's a scream queen 
which is cool. Uh, Tatum calls Ghostface Casper. Um, yeah. They say Leatherface, which is what Randy calls Billy. He's like, oh, why is Leatherface here? Which is a reference to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. Um, Billy pointing out at the end, the fake blood is uh, corn syrup. He says it's the same stuff they used as pig's blood and carry. And um, they talk about why did Norman Bates dress like his mother or something? Why They never really figured out why um, Hannibal Lecter liked to eat people, which is a reference to Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs, yeah. So Halloween gets referenced repeatedly, Psycho a couple times, Nightmare on Elm Street a couple times, but Friday also the all these other, yeah. yeah, exactly, all these other horror movies get peppered in throughout, which is so cool. It's that added um, attention to detail that really adds a lot of depth to the movie. So in my I think that's what gives uh, it such meaning is because it's it's so respectful and like makes references to show you like, here's what we're talking about. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, there, uh, there is a list on IMDb of all the references, um, and so here are the ones that you missed. You got most of them, which is pretty impressive. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah, um, the ones that you missed, um, by name. So it says there are at least fifteen horror fil- movies referenced by name. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Bad Seed, nineteen fifty six. Terror Train. Oh, you also yeah, missed- they call her mom the Bad Seed. Nice. And okay. Sydney's like worried that she's gonna be the Bad Seed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Terror Train, 1980, Prom Night, 1980. Also. They list Jamie Lee Curtis's movies, which is where Prom Night, The Fog, and um, can't remember the other one. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember either. Um, and then uh, did you mention The Evil Dead? Yes. Yeah, those were did. the ones that they were. Evil Dead Hellraiser. Yeah. And you got all of the other ones that were mentioned by name. The oh, other very ones, cool. So horror films indirectly referenced include wait can i the shot of ghostface in the bushes could be a halloween reference probably i mean yeah that was like listed as a already like reference by name so um they don't list it again but it also is includes black christmas they Mm. say um which i guess just the phone aspect of it billy Billy. yeah yeah billy also (laughs) the villain um suspiria 1977 what's suspiria i don't know i also haven't seen suspiria um but apparently suspiria is indirectly it doesn't like explain them oh um which is annoying but uh Black Christmas, Suspiria, When a Stranger Calls, of course, because the opening scene is basically the opening scene of When a Stranger Calls. But also, like, Wes Craven was a fan, a huge fan of When a Stranger Calls, so he is directly referenced by that. Um, The Shining, apparently. Uh, I was wondering. I was kind of, like, waiting for a Shining reference, and then I didn't notice one. Yeah. I would love to, like, know. I don't know. Um, Cannibal Holocaust. YouTube video. I Spit on Your Grave, Tenebra, Tenebrae, um, which is another Dario Argento, and then Candyman you mentioned. But yeah, that's that's all the ones wow. listed on uh, IMTV. That's awesome. But yeah, you did get most of them, which Very is pretty cool. impressive. Cool. Those are just the ones I noticed. That's great. So I guess that also makes it like um, this movie is cool because it's also just a a payoff for horror fans in general because i, I feel so fulfilled <laughs> like having understood most of it's that it's just as much right. as you can catch it's the cooler it is i did want to bring up another like little joke in it is uh, at the beginning 
when she's like uh nightmare on elm street i like the first one but the sequels suck <laughs> yeah. that's also like a funny joke because wes craven directed the original one and wrote the original one but then like he sold the rights so like he didn't direct the sequels he directed the third one i think but the um and he also i think directed what west craven's new nightmare but then the rest of them he didn't he wasn't involved in so it's funny that he's like calling out the ones that he didn't do (laughs) sucks um but yeah speaking of that though the the opening of this movie yeah is um to me, one of the saddest murders in scary, like, slasher movie history. Really? Yeah, but it's um, also one of the best, best of, opening scenes in horror. It's a great Phenomenal opening scene. Phenomenal opening scene. Um, really, really uh, pulls you in immediately. And um, I think the coolest aspect of this is the casting of Drew Barrymore. Right. This just makes me want to watch Charlie's Angels, the best movie ever made. Yeah, Drew Barrymore herself is one of the most famous actresses of her time mm-hmm. when this movie came out. Um, she's on all the promotional stuff. It, it, the ensemble cast on the cover, Drew Barrymore's there. And they pointed out to me, I was trying to figure out, I was like, who is the face that's like the big shocked face on the cover of all this stuff? And it's Drew Barrymore. It's not Neve Campbell. All of the promotional material is Drew, Drew Barrymore. Barrymore. Yeah. And so audiences were convinced this is who was going to be in their movie. And you the opening shot is Drew Barrymore picking up this phone. Right. And you're like, "Ooh, there's the final girl." Yeah. You yeah. you're you're so happy to see her and then 10 minutes later, you watch her get brutally murdered. Right. And then she's done. She's, she's never gone. in this and Casey Becker is probably one of the most famous names from the movie. Yeah. Because she it was just such a shocking thing. Yeah. And um this is one of those things that really establishes what Scream changed the game for is the initial cold open right. shocking murder. The funny is, th- you know, go no, ahead. It's like the setup of um subverting expectations, which this movie does throughout. But um you think, Oh, Drew Barrymore, she's gonna be the final girl, obviously. No, yeah. she's not. Um right. And it's kind of one of those, like, playing with audience expectations for, like, such a big payoff. For, like, the long con. Like, as you said, she was in all the advertising, so everyone was going to see her yeah. in this movie and was super shocked. And they were like, right. fuck you. The funny thing is, she was initially cast as Sydney. Yeah. And then she herself decided, no, I want to actually play the minor character to trick the audience. That's so, so it was cool. her because idea. Because Drew, as a producer, is amazing. Yeah. Drew Barrymore is one of the greatest <laughs> artists of our time. Flower Films has created so many good things. <laughs> going to leave her a voice message? <laughs> Maybe I've left her a voice message. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I love Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore single-handedly got my favorite movie off the ground. Yeah. Thanks yeah. to Drew Barrymore, we have Johnny Darko. Mm-hmm. Yep. We she, also have Charlie's Angel. <laughs> and Scream too. Like Scream. when she got attached to Scream is when it like took off basically. Thanks she was also, This is like no joke. She was like when I was in middle school and I was like maybe I like women. I found out that Drew Barrymore was bi and Aww. I really latched onto that. <laughs> and I told my friend I was like I think she's my celebrity crush. And he was like good for you. I was like, Thanks. Drew Drew Barrymore call me. 
Uh, <laughs> if you're free on a Tuesday, so am I. <laughs> um, also, this is kind of um, maybe like slightly unintentional reference to Psycho, which does the same thing because like the yeah. main character Janet Lee gets, was the star yeah. who like was in all the press, and then she gets murdered early into the movie, and then the rest of the movie is about them investigating her murder. Um, which is a huge twist. Yeah. And so like, it's another reference to that. Janet Lee, who was also Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis's, Curtis's mom. mom. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. Is so, oh man, I love this movie. Right. This Bring movie. This <laughs> so I wrote this down while I was doing research. There is like a black hole of references <laughs> because so Billy Loomis is his name. Loomis, which is also a reference to in, um, Halloween, mm-hmm. the doctor's name Which is Dr. Halloween Loomis. Which is a reference to Psycho. <laughs> the boyfriend's it's name hardware, right? oh. is the boyfriend's name in Psycho is Samuel, Samuel Loomis. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So like there's like three levels of references. It's oh, that's great. That's fucking cool. <laughs> oh. But anyways, back to the opening scene. Yes. Um yeah. I think that it's it's okay, so it's great and shocking the audience. But it also really establishes like what this movie's about mm-hmm. because while he's talking on the phone with her, he's taunting her and stuff, but he's constantly talking about scary movies. What's yeah. your favorite scary movie? That's the line. Best That's the quote. famous line. And like he's asking her what she likes. He quizzes her on scary movies and her knowledge of scary movies is what could potentially like save her and her save boyfriend. Her. And it doesn't work out because she doesn't know her trivia. Like it establishes by telling you like the the sensationalism of scary movies and the worship of scary movies is like the motive for this killer and And drew barrymore's character casey becker who is a horror movie fan Mm -hmm. yeah can't pass the standards (laughs) no she can't yeah Yeah, she gets tricked by friday the 13th which is like a good trick question yeah like in a tense situation yeah i mean most people would get tricked by that i'm wearing a t-shirt right now (laughs) That's a Friday the 13th t-shirt. And it just says Friday the 13th on it. And it has Jason's mask with <laughs> the- like a, a knife through the eye. And it's really bloody looking. And the thing that... I love this t-shirt. Um, I didn't even think twice. Like, Harish was with me. I saw it and I was like, I'm buying this. And... The get thing, that hot topic? No, I got it at Urban Outfitters, really? which I'm ashamed that's to awesome. admit. No, um, that's, that's much better than what I was yeah. suggesting. But <laughs> the thing that kills me about this shirt is it's Friday the 13th and it has Jason's mask on it. Well, the mask... Jason's mask did not appear the until the third movie. Right. Which is the best one yeah. of the ones that So seen. it's like this this t shirt itself is incorrect. Yeah. Um it should be Friday the thirteenth, part, part three. three. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, like, that's the thing, is most people just don't like right. you know, um Apparently the writer had like a lot more questions. Like, um that scene was a much much longer when he was writing it, but he's like he decided to cut it to yeah. just to make it. It probably would have bored audiences. I right, wish that was out there somewhere. Yeah, the for that. Oh, but that's cool. um, and I love, like I said, we're gonna spend time talking about the other movies. I don't want to dwell on them, but um, the self, the the horror worship and like um, punishment for not being like true to horror and stuff just keeps coming back. And I I think that this really really shines in Scream Four. Uh, because Scream 4 is a reboot commentary and our lovely woman Hayden Panettiere really shines in her scene where she basically recreates uh, this scene where she's answering questions on the phone and mm-hmm. 
she falls for a trick question, but then counters it with her extensive knowledge on, I fucked up, but I know everything that you can ask me past this. And I just, I like that, that like call that response to the original. Um, and I just, I think this series is just like such a payoff for horror fans while also challenging horror fans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's really neat. Yeah. It's also kind of like, I see that as like a fuck you to horror like gatekeeping bros. Yeah. yeah. Who are like, you have to know about this like sequel to a sequel. It's like, fuck off. Just let people enjoy things. Right. Also, oh, no. No, you go ahead because I was going to change the subject. I was also going to change the subject, but I'll change the subject about the thing I want to talk about. Um, Something I love most about this movie is that I love that Ghostface is just a regular person that doesn't have supernatural slasher abilities like just Michael a dude Myers in a literal costume from a convenience store or Jason or like um Freddy Krueger all have like these supernatural abilities like Michael right. although he's a regular guy like seemingly can't be killed no yeah, yeah. he and literally he run... rises from the grave in a certain movie exactly like, yeah. and also he's clumsy he's just like Sam said he's like a guy in the, a costume just running around yeah. and he gets knocked out and the run around fucking scene at tour in the climax where sydney is in the um the news van and to escape from Ghostface, she crawls through this tiny little hole and then he chases her into the van and he tries to crawl through the hole instead of just getting <laughs> out of the van i'm like what the right. fuck <laughs> and there's a certain point Why where she like that? big dumbass energy she like throws a vase at him in the beginning and he like falls like he's, yeah. he's just a dude wearing right. a costume like there's nothing special about this fucking idiot teenager in a costume <laughs> and you see that in the beginning in casey becker's scene you see him for a second just running through the house and yeah. his costume billowing behind him right. it's awesome like they're they're just idiots and like it's consistent like because you're not this isn't some special like crazy mm -hmm. ghost thing it's just two teenagers teenagers yeah. what were you gonna change the subject on oh it was something to do with the beginning which i wrote a note on which oh, i sorry. never write notes you're taking notes i just i can't forget to talk about this one thing and if i get drunk i'm gonna forget it never yeah um but it has to do with um respecting your audience okay and um specifically also the um score Okay. Uh, I mentioned several times watching this movie. I love the score of this movie. We've done a Patreon episode where we talked about horror movies music. And I brought up Scream because I associate a lot of great horror movie sounds to this. Um, I think that the um, the the use of the, you know, the duns, you know, right, like right. where it's like something. I think this movie's phenomenal at those. Uh, uh, one that I'm not that's not what I wrote down but a, a big one that comes to my mind is like when it shows the sheriff's shoes when he's patting out his cigarette and it does like a little done because it makes yeah. you suspicious um, I think that it doesn't it, they don't use these things to scare you they do these things to be like oh, what if this is it right. you know what I mean they do a all lot of throughout the movie. fake throughout. jump scares too Yeah, where it's like it's it's like the sound effects that would be a jump scare but, but it's, it's like, like a she, bus when she's um, home alone and she opens her closet door it does this the they have like a, a like choir sounding thing that does like the oh sounds you yeah. know what i mean and when she opens the um closet door there's this big like and like some choir like like high you know notes and stuff but it, nothing happens it just like it's making fun of this is where a jump scare would happen it's also um going back to the point you were making earlier 
everybody's a suspect Mm -hmm. in this movie in this movie tries its best to divert your suspicion to anybody could be the dad could be the cop well also making it very obvious who it is oh absolutely yeah watching this movie when you know who it is is an extra treat right (laughs) but um, i did know going in i was kind of robbed of the experience of the twist yeah um I think the first thing I watched was the ending. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know who it was the first time I nice. watched it. What was that like? It was great. I loved it. Um, on the score, I did want to mention. I mentioned this while watching, but like the composer Mario Beltrami, um, this was his first feature film, and he uh, decided to try to do a more of a western score. He was like influenced by Ennio Morricone, who did a lot of those, you know, like spaghetti westerns like the that's that's him i think he also did uh, the score for the thing but um cool yeah so like um well the thing is different because like he was trying to like he was trying to do more of a john carpenter score and also john carpenter did a lot of extra scoring for the thing but um yeah he was inspired by morricone um and wanted to do that to make it different from normal horror movie scores and like i tried to focus on the score i i meant to try to like try to see that in the movie but i wasn't paying attention to the score that's the funny thing is because when we did our patreon episode i mentioned in it like i never i i never pay attention to music in the movie yeah and for this series specifically the first one um, I'm obsessed with the music in this. Mo- I, I, it's just something about it. It's, I, I mentioned while we were watching, like it's different. It's not like uh, other horror movies. Cause like, there's like that stereotypical, like horror instrument where you get most of your sounds from. Uh-huh. And this movie's just different. You get like full choir, full or orchestra, like music. And like, yeah, you have your soundtrack songs and stuff, but like just the general like score to this is like, to me, one of the most recognizable scores from any movie ever. Okay. Like, I, I love this movie but like the thing that wanted that that made me want to talk about this score is from the opening scene and it's um when Casey's on the phone with Ghostface and or Billy specifically I guess and he says something about um uh what is it? what's it hold on I have it written down um oh okay so like he whenever he asks about her boyfriend again she threatens like i have a boyfriend and he's like you said you didn't have a boyfriend and she's like well i do and he's big and he's yeah. a football player and then he says his name wouldn't happen to be steve would it right. and this the music itself just goes like this like dun, you know what i mean and it like hits these like gotcha. violin things and yeah the thing that I think I like about it the most is there's never a reference to Steve before any of this happens. So she even says, like, I don't have a boyfriend or anything. And then just, like, from her face and the way the music, like, screeches, you realize, like, she doesn't have to, she doesn't say, like, anything. And in that initial moment, the second he says it wouldn't happen to be Steve, like, you realize you're like, that's that's her boyfriend yeah you know what i mean just from just from the music and her face alone right you're just like oh my god she has a boyfriend and her boyfriend's name is steve like they they never told you that anytime before it's just the way that the music gives you the reveal and i mean like literally a beat after that she's like how do you know his name but it's like that sec that moment they like they respect their audience enough to know that like just from that like no like initial information no character being like they know in that beat that the audience is going to know 
like oh my oh this is oh like we need to be concerned and like to me that's like so fucking cool yeah like that's when we were watching yeah. the movie i was like oh my god that was so cool wow. i just i appreciated it. it was it's they respected you enough to give you that moment before they kept going yeah can everyone share their favorite music moment from this movie Oh my! My favorite thing is Red Right Hand. Yeah, Everyone knows that. Too. I love the song. I, I know your favorite. I just want. I asked. Like, I hate when people do this, but I did it. I asked a question because I wanted to answer it. Mine is "Youth of America" by Bird Brain that plays right when the party scene starts, which is such a perfect choice for a song. We talked yeah. about it too, but I also really love um, "Schools Out." Yeah. Um. The the whole scene right there, where that whole scene that's set to schools out is great, and I also love schools out because it's in this movie and it's in Dazed and Confused, and that movie is that song is just great. Um. But like I mentioned, like everything about the music in this movie, I it's just so well done. Like to for me to notice how great music is in a movie really says something because I I never never notice the the latest thing that i can say i've talked about the the score in is the mandalorian like <laughs> i never talk about score you yeah. did you said you liked the score from uncut gems i did oh right. that's another uncut one so there's something new uncut gems's score is so out of the ballpark <laughs> and it is great yeah <laughs> anyway um i'm really i like score score's cool but i always i always notice soundtrack i never um, know oh, okay in choices because there's this quote from um oh i hate i think it might be from 500 days of summer Oof, and if that it is, is a soundtrack i don't I like it no or maybe it's not it's um it's from something if you guys know tell me um i like soundtracks because it's a little mix cd the director makes just for you <laughs> and i think about that and i'm like that's nice yeah and then um I just always pay attention to like what song choices are in movies. Right. And when movies have good soundtracks, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And when they don't have good soundtracks, I'm like, <laughs> like I think for me, typically it's like it's people. And, and I mean, a lot of people listen to movie scores because movie scores are amazing. And people who like, like when you talk about like, oh, John Williams or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, he's made iconic stuff. It's like, I'm never going to like. You know, I'll listen to something and I could be like, oh, I think that's John Williams, you know, but I'm never going to be like instantly like, Note. you know, well, Knowing. that's a lie. Because like if I hear Star Wars, I'm going to know a Star Wars, you know right. what I mean? But I'm never going to be like, oh, I can tell this is classically this or whatever. But it's like every now and then something comes around where I'm like, yeah. oh, this is actually stands out. And Scream is one of those for me. Uh, I did want to go back to Ghostface as the villain please um i'm um, excited to hear the research you did well on this. i did do some research um <laughs> so we talked about the ghost face mask they actually just found the mask inside a house when they were doing location scouting um and I knew it fun fact it was the house from shadow of a doubt the alfred hitchcock shadow of a doubt it's I don't know. I, I know nothing about that movie, but apparently the house from that movie was one of the locations that they scouted. And inside that house, they just randomly found this mask. And, um, the, the, it was like an actual, like produced Halloween mask by this company called fun world. And initially they were like, Oh, we'll try to make something similar to, um, because we don't have the rights to it. But um, isn't it just the same company that like still sell? Oh, I guess like other companies world. still well, sell. Well, yeah, they they initially wanted to not get the rights and like make something similar, um, but like it didn't. None of the they made a bunch of different versions and none of them really worked out. Um, they made a 
they used a different version of the mask, like their own version of the mask for, um, according to Wikipedia, they used it for the Casey Becker death scene and the scene where the principal gets killed. In those two scenes, apparently, it's a different version of the mask. But it's, the eyes are the eyes are um, swooped more. Yeah, it's it's slightly different, but um, in the end, like uh, they um, Wes Craven went to the company and was like, "Can we have the rights to the mask?" And they like gave it to him, probably because it was gonna give them sales out the ass. Well, they. So I don't know if this how true this is, but I heard on a podcast that um, apparently, like he. So the way they tell the story on this podcast, um, let me give me one second. Let me actually find the podcast that I'm referencing because I just wanna. While you're doing that, I'll actually, mention actually it's the William Shatner mask. <laughs> painted white <laughs> so you're all wrong while you're doing that i'll mention and i mentioned this while we were watching it when he was talking we were talking about the history of it and um something that drives me absolutely insane is that people a a, a well-known misconception people are constantly bringing up like oh this mask was based off of the scream painting and i'm always correcting people and being like no, it's actually... Well, this, there's more on that. Well, yeah, but I'm always telling people... Like, I'm assuming, like, the mask itself came from something like that. But, like, they say, like, the movie designed the mask for that. And I'm like, no, it was an existing mask that they were like, oh, we want to use this. And they tell me I'm wrong. And I'm like, I'm right. I know I'm right. And I'm constantly getting in fights about this. And uh, it's just something that I'm... I, I don't know why I'm always so irritated by it because it's not like everyone should always know all movie things. But, but if I'm you always know just something like, and wrong. other people are wrong and oh. they're telling you that you're wrong, yeah. it's the most infuriating thing ever. They're like, no, ever. they totally got it. And I'm like, no, they okay. found this mask. And that's where so, it okay. Um So the podcast that I'm talking about is called Wizard and the Bruiser. It's on the same network as last po- podcast on the, on the left. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wizard and the Bruiser, they did a podcast about Scream. But like something I heard from that podcast was that, uh, <laughs> so the way they tell it is that this um, John uh, Wes Craven like called up the company and it was just some random guy in like New York who picked up the phone and um, he was like, uh, can can we get the rights to the mask? And he was like, yeah, just give us like a hundred dollars. <laughs> Um, so uh, I don't know how true this is. It's from a podcast, but according to the podcast, like they didn't, they, it was like really cheap to get to the rights to the, the mask. Um, and on IMDB, it also says that, um, the, uh, fun world licensing director, RJ Torbert, um, he was the one who named the mask Ghostface because mm. the initial, the initial name for the mask was um it's from a series called fantastic faces and it was known as the peanut eyed ghost um, <gasps> the peanut <yeah>. eyed ghost <laughs> i love that that's a terrible name um but excuse you yeah <laughs> the the licensing director from fun world decided to name it Ghostface. Um, much better name and so the mask was found by the producer you. marianne madalena in this house um and then uh they got the rights uh, put put the mask in the movie and um yeah like so the Ghostface design is owned by Fun World and that that's like a cool thing because uh 
it's like an actual mask that they could have bought in the real world yeah that's which like, is cool that's why i'm like so proud to tell people like no they found this is just right. a real mask like that's what makes it so cool is because and nobody believes me right and so the mask by the company was designed by this person named a fun world employee named brigitte slayer slayerton i don't know um but um what she says is that it is based on the painting the scream by edward edward munch and it's also based on the characters on the cover of pink floyd album the wall and ghostly characters that appeared in betty boop the ghostly characters in betty boop have the same yeah, they have the boo. same base. And so she also says... It should also be based on the fucking green shackle ghosts in Scooby-Doo. They <laughs> look exactly the same, and they terrified me as a kid because I was terrified of Ghostface. Well... Look them up. I remember Ghostface from a kid. I used to trick-or-treat with these older kids. The, oh, was it the bloody one? <laughs> it was Those the are bloody the ones one. that went to ISS when they were in high school. Because, um... <laughs> Uh, Scream 4 was really popular kind of right when I was at peak trick-or-treating age. And so someone had the ghost face with the bloody mask. And I remember like seeing a lot of ghost faces around, but that's the one that stuck out to me. I mean, okay. The, the faces yeah. are so similar. Yeah. I like get it. Um, Scared the shit out of me. I like, so, that, I like that design, though. That's cool. It's the best Scooby-Doo villain. The designer also like designed it no um scooby-doo villain scrappy too duh (laughs) you know it i know it and the house knows it we all know it um the designer also designed it to be a caricature of someone screaming and crying at the same time and she like stated that it displayed different emotions it's a horrible look it's a sorry look it's a frantic look so like all of that went into this mask. That's awesome. Um, which is cool. But the other aspect of Ghostface is <laughs> Ghostface has a fucking personality. Like on the phone. Chaotic. The So <laughs> the phone voice is done by this guy named Roger L. Jackson. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yes. A fun fact. Um, nobody on set ever saw him until... Uh, Everything Afterwards. was wrapped because it yeah. made it scarier for the actors. Right. And another fun fact is uh, in the opening scene, Drew Barrymore accidentally actually called the cops because they forgot to disconnect the phone. <gasps> oh, that's great. <laughs> and so the cops came to set and were like, what the fuck? Where's the killer? <laughs> and they had to explain, no, it's actually, we're just filming a movie. <laughs> but, the um, fuck? Where's the killer? <laughs> but so they got this guy. <laughs> that's awesome. They got this guy, Roger L. Jackson to do the voice just on the set like he was just supposed to be like a temporary voice to call them on set um and then like for filming but then he did it so well that they decided to keep his voice in the actual movie oh that's cool um, and fun fact about Roger L. Jackson he also is the voice of Mojo Jojo <gasps> on the Powerpuff Girls do not know that and he used to be the voice of the Mucinex Booger Man. But now it's Jason Manzoukas. Jason Manzoukas, yeah. He was replaced by TJ Miller, um, who was fired because he's a piece he of shit. He sucks. The and then, man? Yeah, Jason Manzoukas is the current Booger Man from <laughs> that Mucinex. That is what we're bringing into 2020. I'm leaving everything else behind. That's so funny. I was literally Fuck just it. talking Jason about this Manzoukas at work. Jason Manzoukas is Booger Man. I told that. We were sitting at lunch, and I told that to one of my coworkers, and their jaw dropped. <laughs> wow. But, um, 
the thing about could the you, Ghostface voice, yeah. And this is just another Jason Manzoukas. Could you imagine if it was Jason Manzoukas as Rafi from the League as, as the Mason X Booker Man? <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't want that energy. That's the energy I want. I want to be terrified of the Mason X Booker Man. <laughs> I don't want to feel safe when I'm taking Mason X. Right. <laughs> That's the quote for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> has nothing to do with scream um uh, <laughs> the the other thing well i mean like ghostface has a personality like the voice um i didn't really think about this until like i was researching the movie and the voice is like a character because mm-hmm. like it's a very compelling like it's an interesting voice just on the phone because the way he talks like is like very he's very interesting, um, flirty you know? yeah. but also scary like, right the way he's talking to Casey specifically in the beginning he's he's talk i mean when you know you look back and you're like oh it's billy talking it makes billy sense billy or stew or whatever but like the way he talks to Casey and he's like um what's your favorite scary movie that like that's right. like a question that a guy flirting with you would ask right you know i was thinking about it this is like one of the few slashers that actually has a personality like i i mean Wes craven does this in like well i guess friday uh, freddy 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 krueger also like does one-liners and stuff but like this fucking prime time (laughs) yeah he's fucking hilarious freddy krueger's got it going on freddy krueger's grace jason and michael myers they essentially don't talk yeah they they don't talk but like Ghostface, like you, Ghostface, the voice is a character, uh-huh. and it's great. Awesome. I I just love the voice. And I think it's like um not just like, Ghostface is more like um a persona, like um because like I mean the series every single every single movie is different people are Ghostface. Right. It's I think the same voice. That's though. something that's it's incredible about actor. this series, by the way, is that like the slasher is the same but never the same. And um because there's a mystery in every single one of who's Ghostface. Yeah. Um and I think that's really cool because you don't get that in a lot of slashers because it's um it's two different genres basically in one. But um but it's the same voice actor. Yeah. But it's it's always like different people are still putting on this like uh a bit like this this persona character, this yeah. character because they're keeping up with the, tra- the tradition of the ghost face that was before them yeah which okay if we're gonna get real specific here how the fuck did they know what ghost yeah. face was like uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever. like we can fr- that's also something that irritates me about the stab series in the later episodes is like uh, or the later se- uh uh sequels it's like how the fuck did they know what happened at the casey becker murder you know but whatever um but i and they have like different explanations in each one of how they did it yeah like in the third one they have this like crazy voice modulator that gives you everybody's voices which doesn't make sense (laughs) stupid it's it's so stupid and i think the coolest one which which is the fourth one which keeps up with modern times is it's just an app on your phone yeah Mm -hmm. that when you call somebody it changes your voice and that makes sense that's something that would happen so like yeah the the voice is i never really analyzed yeah 
never voice thought about that until really I was researching it. But the voice has a personality. I think it's so funny, though. I feel like, in my opinion, the voice is its own personality. Yeah. And then Ghostface, when you see him running around, so different. Oh. Right. Like, right. When they're calling people, they have Absolute it together. mess of a killer. They're so anonymous. But then they're like... <laughs> fumbling around yeah yeah that and that's so funny consistent yeah again like once again every time someone's ghost face they do not have their the okay we always make fun of the third one and like i said we're gonna analyze the third one. the third one when he throws the knife up the staircase at somebody <laughs> like, like ghost face never has their shit together and it just it's very consistent and well done it's cool oh can we talk about the party scene Sure. I love this the party is the scene best. that's half of the movie. Yeah. The ending. Yeah. yeah. The whole ending sequence. This is the only party in cinema that I want to be at. <laughs> it's so cool. I yeah. think it's also because it's not that many people. It's not mm-hmm. a rager. Yeah. It's to me an actual house party. Right. You know, it's like, a reasonable amount of people. It's just a fun party. People are putting on movies in the background. Yeah. yeah. Like, everyone's just chilling and drinking. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Other than the murder, like, it's a pretty standard house party. It's introduced with a great kind of grungy 1990s song. song. Oh, the intro song is awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a realistic part. And, like, uh, we were kind of not debating, but, like, we were joking around about the way the kids talk in this movie. But I also think that these teenagers are some of the more realistic teenagers I've ever seen in a horror Mm -hmm. movie. Sometimes I think that they're like, like the idea that there's a curfew because a serial killer's in town and teenagers would throw a party that I just don't think that would happen. I think a teenager would attempt it, but I don't think a lot of people would attend the party. His parents were attending. Maybe that's why there weren't that many people. Yeah. But, 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 well, okay. So he has this party and then a lot of people leave at the same time and they say curfew. curfew, curfew. Yeah. yeah. So the party is early so, enough that they're not missing yeah, curfew. I guess that makes more yeah. sense. But and then like, it's like smaller, like friends only kind yeah. of crowd. Yeah. So it's just to me, I, I think like Rose McGowan's character is also somebody who like is very, oh yeah. Like that's totally like how a teenager would talk about shit. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think that this is one of the better encapsulating actual teenagers type thing while also having 30 year olds play your fucking teenagers <laughs> it is and they make like, fun of themselves for that this is also one of those movies when the teenagers are written too smart to be teenagers in dialogue it doesn't bother me because i'm like oh it's like you part of it, it. Yeah. yeah they yeah. kind of talk like they're in english class <laughs> yeah <laughs> or in film class oh <laughs> um also you brought it up this is a great house Oh, yeah. beautiful. Oh, man. I want to live there. Talk about fucking scouting some locations. They found the fucking house for this. Yeah. Um, I also think about Sydney's house. Uh, and I think, I think I appreciate these houses because I personally, all like through uh, most of my high school experience, lived in a house that was not surrounded by houses i was right. like i wasn't like it would take cops like 20 minutes to get to me but it would take a little bit longer yeah. you know to get to where i was like i had cows around me and shit like that uh yes i'm from texas but um like i think that's so cool because like for me my high school experience was like um i went to parties at um rich kids whose parents were out of town sometimes and we were in a big ass house in the middle of fucking nowhere and if we weren't in a big ass house in the middle of nowhere we were literally in like a group of cars around a bonfire in a pasture in the middle of nowhere right so like 
the idea that this is where teens are getting murdered i'm, I'm like oh this is very real to me like this, i would have been murdered in a situation like this where it was like fucking out there yeah and i think it's cool. and like the houses themselves are just beautiful and mm-hmm. Stu's house itself is a is a maze Perfect. it's like there's this like staircase and like there's a chase sequence right after Sydney and um, Billy have sex and Ghostface comes in and stabs Billy and Sydney's running and you realize like there's like multiple entrances to these rooms at this top of the staircase mm-hmm. and it's just like beautifully designed the way like you can get into all these rooms from different doorways yeah it's super neat mm-hmm. um, and I just I just love the design of Stu's house specifically but Sydney's is also great like the out exterior of Sydney's house is amazing. Everyone lives in giant house houses. This must be like one of those like rich California cities. Yeah. Also at this party, Randy has his moment where he gets to tell people all the rules yeah. of right. horror movies. And yeah. um, he says, um, one, you can't have sex. Two, you can't drink or do drugs. And three, um, you can't never uh, say, I'll, never be say right I'll be right back. back. And they do all of them. Yeah. Without yeah. like consequence. Well, right. Without like reckless abandon that only youth can provide. Well, they're, well, they're drinking while he's saying them. After yeah. he says don't have sex, very like they're Sydney watching the movie and Sydney sex. and Billy are having sex upstairs yeah. and they're cutting between commenting on seeing Jamie yeah. or getting mm-hmm. the tit shot in Halloween and then also Sydney's getting undressed. Yeah. And and then uh, when he makes those comments, Stu jokingly is like, "Oh, you right from back. the kitchen." Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me a beer or whatever. Another fun fact. And he brings is it back later. The no drinking or doing drugs is actually incorrect because in Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis does like um, take like a hit from a joint um, earlier in the movie. Uh, Are they driving? They're driving around and then is that where they see don't the, the Reaper? I think that's. I don't remember. They're, they're smoking and then they, they see her dad. The robbery the or whatever with the dad. Yeah. But yeah, she does that, and also in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, I think also the final girl has a drink, as well. I want to say even in the f- first one, she's in the f- first one. I think they're drinking and playing like Monopoly or something. Are they not? Yeah, but they like all strip get murdered poker in the first one. In yeah, Friday but the, the final girl lives. Okay, but she, she dies might in the have second been, one. <laughs> she might have been separate. Maybe I don't she remember. Might not have been playing that. But um, think about anyway. how those tropes have continued. And in like two thousands movies, we think are so cheesy. Yeah, all of them are all very right, accurate. Yeah. Right. I just love that how it goes from like rager, like I, I'd say semi rager, like small little movie night, and then like it's just the last bare bones murdered. few yeah. people. Mm-hmm. So fun fact: that whole ending sequence um, took twenty one days to film. Oh my god! Uh, like wow. to the point where like the crew would joke about it's the longest night in horror um <laughs> and like they all had they like, get t-shirts they they gave each other t-shirts that said like i survived scene 118 or something um and the dp got fired be- like a week before they were supposed to finish principal photography the dp got fired because um they tried to do the night shoot and the like uh Wes Craven looked at the dailies and they were all out of focus <gasps> and unusable oh, and he no. was like he told the DP like fire your entire camera crew and the DP was like well if you're gonna fire the whole crew then you have to fire me as well so okay. like they they just fired him as well wow and got a wow. new a separate person for the rest of it was that after the first day of shooting or like a little bit Cause um, that's on Wes for not looking at that shit I don't know I don't know like 
Uh, it just says. But also, I mean, it's on the DP for not giving usable footage. Yeah, I mean, that's your job. Yeah. <laughs> is, if your job is filming, then at least they gotta be in focus. Uh, that's wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he was fired during filming of Screen's finale a week before. Fin- yeah, it doesn't say when, but it just says a week before they were supposed to be finished. So, so I like guess that extended. Most. Yeah. yeah. And I'm shot. assuming because they fired him, that extended shooting and they probably had to reshoot some shit. Yeah. Um, and another <laughs> kind of, I don't, I wouldn't describe this as fun, but um, uh, uh, Skeet Ur- Ulrich actually got stabbed. <gasps> no. So, okay. So he wore a protective vest underneath his shirt to keep them. Cause like the stunt woman, was um stabbing him with a knife and the first time she like hit the vest but the second time she missed the vest and stabbed him in his chest (gasps) um and like he had a wound from open heart surgery when he was a kid oh my god and it like impacted the wound oh my god he had to like um his actual reaction is in the movie I don't know what scene I knew it is. That. But Did you get this from IMDb? From Wikipedia. Oh. Yeah. But like his actual reaction is in the movie and like they had to like s- take him to the hospital immediately. But like it worked out and he was fine. But yeah. So. Jesus Christ. Is, is it actually <laughs> yeah. from whenever he's being stabbed with the umbrella? Whenever... I think it's the umbrella. Yeah. Because that was the only time he was that actually would, like. And you said stunt woman. That would have been the woman, only time yeah. that it would have been a stunt woman is because they would have been mimicking Sydney in the outfit. Right. Yeah. Oh my god! I, yeah, I knew that actually. Yeah. Wow, very similar to like a stuntman's policy: if I die, use the take. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like I got stabbed, use that take. Wow. Um, yep. Should we transition into? Yeah, let's go into our segments. Our segments that we're keeping. <laughs> <laughs> so the first segment is uh, the award. Okay, so this is obviously a Jared. A Jared. Yes. Jared Padalecki. No doubt about it. For acting excellence. This is hard. This is the hardest decision I've ever been asked to make. So I have my immediate answer is Matthew Lillard. Yeah. That's where I want to go. I was Um, going for Lillard as well. I do have some fun facts about Matthew Lillard. He improved so much for (laughs) us. He improved a lot. Like a lot of his best lines at the end are improvised. He uh, improvised the line. Um, I always had the well. He says, I always had a thing for you, Sydney. And then Sydney responds, in your dreams. And both of those lines were improvised. Um, He also improvised the line, my mom and dad are going to be so mad. (laughs) (laughs) Great line. Probably like one of the best lines of the movie. Plus the delivery is just (laughs) so good. It's so good. And then um, you hit me with the phone, you dick. Oh, that like actually ha- he like um skeet Olers accidentally threw it and hit him and like he improvised you hit me with the phone you dick that was improvised and then um uh he says houston we have a problem yeah. when he like turns around and sees they're gone or oh, he's they're uh, missing um the, the, the gun. gun yeah he says houston we have a problem that was also improvised but he improvised all those and also the the story of how he got this role is also pretty fun because um he Ha- um his girlfriend had an audition for something completely different in the same building and he was just like taking her to her audition and like st- like waiting with her for her audition different different completely different movie whatever and then um uh, at the same time they were doing auditions for billy in um the same building and the audition like the 
the casting director like poked her head out and saw him and it was like you come in and like um he auditioned for billy and like uh he did it really like he was really like into the role and did it really well that they cast him as the other guy that's awesome so that was how he got the role and also another fun fact is apparently during the production like um matthew lillard has talked about how like he used to have a lot of depression and like um um was not like uh, he didn't have much self-confidence and at one point during the filming of this Wes craven like called his parents and was like telling them how great their son was and was like your son's gonna get an oscar one day and so like that was like a story that he had from production that like made him really happy and also fun fact matthew lillard is the love of my life and (laughs) he is my scream king I love him so much. Right. Um, I talk about him all the time. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, also, he's associated with the Scooby-Doo franchise, which, as you know, means so much to me. Right. So I want to personally back the Matthew Lillard thing just because I love him so much. I, I absolutely agree. I think my runners-up would be Neve Campbell because oh. she does Neve so well. Oh, phenomenal. They're all and great. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, Jamie Kennedy also Jamie was my, Kennedy. like, that's where I, I also was kind of thinking. thinking. But I was like, oh, no, Because he is also, I think he's just absolutely fantastic in this role as yeah. the kind of self-aware film the ga- the, nerd the, and that's yeah. just the kind of character i love but <laughs> matthew lillard really does shine my favorite line from jamie kennedy is at the end when he's like he like comes back and she's like oh i thought you were dead and he's like luckily i did too um luckily i've never I'm- been so happy to be a virgin right. <laughs> and yeah. then he immediately gets punched in the face <laughs> right it's great oh, like, perfect moment right? the also- timing and the pacing of this yeah. movie spot yeah. on okay. yeah um also uh i mean rose mcgowan's great in this and uh Skeet Ulrich, you don't like her in this i mean she's fine i, think I don't her as her character is very good i think, I think I don't anybody like else could have done that yeah. oh yeah, yeah you're right probably whatever um but skeet Ulrich is good and yes. he didn't know it was like a horror comedy he thought it was like a straight <laughs> horror movie for most of the time he was filming, oh, and no. he was like, um, at, like uh, he was like, sh- like um, confused as to why Matthew Lillard was being so comedic in his acting, <laughs> and like works. he asked, he that asked Wes Craven, great. yeah, he asked Wes Craven, like, is he supposed to be being funny? And Wes Craven's like, yeah, it's a horror comedy, but like that was like well into shooting, That's so awesome. for most of it, he thought this is a serious movie it works I, so you well though see that dynamic when billy's yeah. looking for sydney and ripping up the pillow and stew's like i'm feeling a little woozy yeah i love that contrast but also the um and i mentioned this when we were watching it the fountain scene at the very beginning mm-hmm. right after casey becker's murdered the you you initially meet the friend group and you this is when you first meet stew and um they're making all these jokes and stuff and stew is being very silly and making a bunch of comments about the, the capability of the murder and Billy's just sitting back there like Stu you fuck like right. he's so yeah. mad and, the yeah. whole, and like that's perfect that perfectly encapsulates so well, yeah. and like the there's so much great. so much tension between them in that scene it's so great um, that's so funny knowing that he didn't know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it also works better because, because you did get the sense that Billy's in charge and that oh, he's yeah. serious and that yeah. Stu's kind of sure. Billy has motive why do you Stu oh peer pressure I'm very sensitive <laughs> <Yeah>. it's great <laughs> But yes, props to Matthew Lillard. Oh, what a what a man! What a okay. man! What a man! Um, I love him so much. So next 
segment. Villains? Yeah. Well, Villain. okay. So normally now is when we do the villain ranking. Wait, no. It's what would you do? Oh, it's what would you uh, do? Yeah. Hit it. What would you do if it were you in this Mo- scary movie? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry for that, everybody. <laughs> well, I guess oh, how we always start is like, who would you most be? Oh, I'm Randy for Randy, sure. Randy, me too. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely Randy. I'm like Randy because I have a dead mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't murdered. <laughs> sorry, no. I'd actually probably most likely be um, Tatum. That's probably actually closer to who I would have been. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be honest. I would have been. T- I just wanted to make a dead mom joke. I'm so sorry for all your listening. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's relive that whole thing again. It's that night. A, it's been a decade. I can joke about this. Oh, my God. Um, no, I would I would most likely be Tatum. Yeah. Randy, just like dicking around at a video store, knows way too much about horror movies. Right. He's the best. He's so funny. I love him. Yeah. I love Randy. I am definitely Randy as well. <laughs> Same reason. <laughs> I've talked about high school. I'm Tatum. <laughs> um, so would you survive? Oh, if it's- also, I read this in the trivia that um, Skeet Ulrich's girlfriend played one of the random cheerleaders in the movie. Is it the one who is um, I don't know which talking? one it was. Because there's the only, there's only one dressed as a cheerleader yes. and she's okay. um, talking in the um, to the mirror. She looks like Tori okay. Spelling. Yeah, that's probably she's her. Not. You know, you that I was wondering if it yeah, it's like, not her, was somebody but it I recognize like famous. Her, yeah. yeah. Um, so but yeah. not you as a character you identify with, but you would yourself, you if you were in this, would you survive? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know if I would. I mean, I, as usual, wouldn't be part of the action. I would have been at that party, um, at least until curfew. I think I would have ended up going home on curfew because my I was like very strictly held to curfew stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that I would have been gone. So I actually probably would have survived unless I was one of the people killed before curfew, which in that point, it's out of my hands because I would have had to been specifically targeted. My likelihood of dating Stu in high school would have been very high. <laughs> so maybe I would have died. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would have. I think I think I'd survive, but I think I probably would have gotten stabbed, left for dead, maybe. Yeah, and come back and had a shitty little one-liner to throw <laughs> at somebody. I say shitty on my end because I can't think that quickly to say something cool like Randy could. But speaking of shitty one-liner and left for dead and stuff, we really didn't talk about Courtney Cox and David Arquette in this. Yeah, um, they got married. They got they married because movie. of this movie. Right. Um, we can talk about them. They're in literally all the other not to ones. spoil, but they're in literally all the other ones. So if you feel like you've been shorted on Courtney and David talk, we'll talk about this in the morning after as well. Ta- yeah, we, we can have talk about the morning other- after. We can talk about it in the three other movies that they're in. Right. Sorry. <laughs> I could, yeah, the dynamic of how Dewey interacts in the town is really interesting. <gasps> Let's unpack that. And I'll save that for morning after. Cut in the clips of us reacting to him eating ice cream right now. <laughs> Drives me insane. Watch him eat it. Watch, watch him eat the cone. <laughs> Every time I'm watching this, all I can focus on is <laughs> and they doubled that shot too. <laughs> and like this is a big revealing moment of the movie. He's <laughs> got a cone. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Like next time you watch Scream, whenever the scene comes about where Dewey's eating ice cream, just watch him. Watch him eat the ice cream. Don't do it. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. It's upsetting. <laughs> no, um, but yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so villain ranking. Villain ranking. Normally now we would have a villain ranking. Um, you've heard us talk about him before. We have decided that all villain we in our year recap from 2019 we did our top ten and everything. Um, villain ranking is basically pushed back, and now we are starting a completely new season two 2020 villain ranking. Right. So as of now. Stu and Billy are number one for us because yep. there is no other villains for them to compete against. Tough spot to beat. I love. Ghost <laughs> I know Space. that's where I'm like they would have taken number one probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're what Terry from All Cheerleaders Die wishes he could have been. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's Harish had this drunk PowerPoint he did a while back saying. Frank Ocean is everything. The Big, the Big Bang, Bang Theory, Theory is, is not. Yeah. I think about that every fucking day in my life. <laughs> and you're right. Billy and Stu are everything. Terry, Terry from All Trailers Die is not. Yeah. But yeah, so um, as of now, this normal stag- segment will start in the next couple weeks. Um, but for now, Billy so, and Stu are number one. Um, rating the movie. Oh, stop. <laughs> Can, what are we going to rate it out of? What's the What's the angle? knives yeah i would say knives i'm trying to think of a specifically like scream one scream one uh garage doors well there's phone call yeah garage doors one phone calls knives umbrellas (laughs) umbrellas Um, Uh, i think we should self-referential movie jokes (laughs) i think that for now knives is fine for this one um because i think this knife is very it's the first iconic out of ooh (laughs) chic little bloody sweaters ooh there's a lot of bloody sweaters in this movie I made a joke when we were watching it like Chris Evans from Knives Out wishes like the sweaters in this movie are iconic out of 10 Friday the 13th movies (laughs) (laughs) 10 Um, Jason goes Jason X (laughs) Jason X no Um, yeah I think Knives is great ooh The Rocks Vincent Van Gogh (laughs) I like that I've never seen that one before um in all seriousness though uh 10 out of 10 um i mentioned this whenever i was talking about my feelings about this movie at the very beginning i genuinely do not understand people who don't give this movie a very high rating it is a phenomenal film it's groundbreaking while also being incredibly um traditional Mm -hmm. which is crazy to say but it is um it's an incredibly horny film yeah it is we can talk at all about that uh yeah don't worry you'll see my letterbox review um it's it's great uh can i just say based off that the horniest line in all of horror is when billy goes the exorcist one got me thinking of you that's like how you seduce molly right there oh big time um but yeah this is one of my favorite this is my second favorite movie honestly like i have a feeling in the next couple years scream will become like the number one rank and days confused will be bumped but i still i I still hold tight days confused is my number one scream is the best horror movie of all time though i'll give it a 9.5 you fuck off fuck Fuck off harish (laughs) you could have given it the golden reel it is a golden reel movie go ahead talk speak speak on it I like it. It's a great movie. I just, I, it's not a ten out of ten for me. <laughs> I feel like I've been betrayed. I'm gonna go jump out of a window. Here, I'll fix this. I'll give it a ten and a half out of ten. Thank you, Molly. So looks like it's a thirty out of thirty. A golden reel. <laughs> what is holding you back? Yeah, for real. I don't know. I just, cause. I just don't connect with it as much as you do. I think it's like a great movie, but it's not like perfect. F- 
fine. Everyone's entitled to their own shitty opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm so mad that he gave it a 9.5. I rate. <laughs> I will escalate the situation. You're, it's fine. You can have your not right opinion. You know what? We'll just put it on the golden reel anyway. Fuck it. Scream in the golden reel. <laughs> That's, That's the fine. change I want to make about this podcast. I want to be able to put whatever I want in the golden reel. <laughs> Molly has her own special section. <laughs> This film won every shadow Oscar there was at the 1996 awards. Wouldn't have been the 1997. No! <laughs> Sneak previews showed. <laughs> Just from test screenings, it killed. I also want to mention that every movie playing at the shadow Oscars is shown in negative. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> that would have been a nice effect. It's fine. You can give cool. it a 9.5. It's fine. Sorry for swearing at you. I'm not really sorry, but I have to say that to be polite. Okay, recommendations. Recommendations. Um The rest of the series. The rest of the series, obviously, two, three, and four. Uh if you're if you're gonna be completely engrossed in Scream, get involved with the series. Some of them have their downs, um, but they mostly have ups and it's great. The TV show Scream Queens. Also oh. Scream, but the Scream TV Queens show, mostly. The TV show Scream is different from the movie series Scream, but then in season three, they bring back the ghost face look, but it's like a, it's a wild series. It's still worth your time, but I would say Scream Queens, honestly. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm going to recommend a TV series. I'm going to recommend Scream Queens so based good. on this, because that's one that's like really meta and like super fun. Uh, Emma Roberts is the star of it. Emma Roberts is also the star of Scream 4. Um also, all, all like the classic movies too. That all the movies that were mentioned in this movie. Big ones say. are Halloween, Nightmare right. on Elm Street, Friday Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, Cabin in the Woods, another self-referential horror movie. A big one I wanted to bring up was Behind the Mask, The Rise, the Rise of, of Leslie, Leslie Vernon, because yeah. um, that's one that's all about being obsessed with serial killers right. and what's I wrong love with that. that. One too. It's really great. Black Christmas, Final Destination. Ooh, good ones. Oh no, I think that's. Good. I think that really covers it. So, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow me at Not a Credit Card um, on everything. You can get me on uh, Twitter and Instagram now at Save Our Shaggy. I've changed oh, it for the year. Cool. Wow. Um, eventually, my letterbox will be changed. You have to be a pro user, and I just don't feel like paying for that right now. So, for now, my letterbox is Samantha Don 13, but expect at some point this year I will get it changed to Save Our Shaggy because that's my brand. Wow. I'm never... I'm diversifying my social media portfolio um, <laughs> on Instagram at Molly Francis Haynes, on Twitter at Midsummer Queen, and on Letterboxd at M-O-1-1-Y-H-A-I-N-E-S. And you can follow the show at Tipsy Terror on Twitter, TipsyTerrorPod at gmail.com to email us, um, Tipsy Terror on Letterboxd and Facebook. Uh and then we have website tipsyterror.com, tipsyterror.rip, tipsyterror.wtf, tipsyterror.pub. Dot pub. <laughs> we also have a Patreon. Um, you can follow us on uh, patreon.com slash tipsyterror, I guess. Um, for $1 a month, you get um, to vote in polls to decide one of our episodes per month. And then I guess for this month, we're just going to do the episode next month. But, um, yeah, probably depending on what we're planning on, uh, which I'm not going to yeah, talk about because um, we might not plan to do that. But so, uh, and then also, I'm doing this project on Patreon where every week I'm watching a movie from the last 50 years of horror. So I started in 1970 
with the bird with the crystal plumage. The review is up. And actually by now, by the time this comes out, or at least shortly after this comes out, um, uh, the second review will be up, which I'm doing uh, another Giallo movie uh, from 1971 called Bay of Blood by Mario Bava. Nice. I've seen his bird with the crystal plumage uh, review. It's really awesome. It's really cute. It's yeah. exactly I mean, what I, I thought about the movie. So it was really nice to see. Uh, so I would really, yeah. really recommend coming in for Harisha's rec- uh, reviews because um, I think they're neat. And you can get those for at the $1 a month tier. Um, and then for $5 a month, we do bonus episodes. Uh, right now we're doing one bonus episode per month. But if we get enough donations, we'll start doing more than one bonus episode per month. Um, Make our lives hell. Yeah. Uh, I think I want to be plan- wrapped in a scheduling nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> the plan right now is to for the rest of the month we're doing Scream. You better be prepared to cut that out series. in case we change our minds. I'm, you know what? Fuck it. I'm all in for Scream. Yeah, for the I month. I really want to just because like I want to kind of not rip the bandaid off, but like I I just want to get them done because if we I don't, do I'm just gonna feel like month? I need to Scream for the month. Scream, scream for, for the, the month. month. We should do the TV <laughs> series as the bonus episode. Oh. Yes. Oh well, it's done. Now we're we're losing money. We're gonna have yeah. to give ourselves times because apparently we all need to catch up on Supernatural. Anyways, Jesus Christ. Oh Fuck. wait, when is that ending? March? Probably March. March is typically oh, where the CW fine. so show ends. We just do that in. March. I have like two and a half seasons and no time. I have a thousand. I'm gonna have to stop watching everything I watch. Anyways, there are a million goddamn episodes. Um, I would like to. I, I'm okay. So if we're committing, scream for January. If somebody can come up with a goddamn January pun that has something to do with scream, please scream do because Uary. we've tried and we cannot scream come up Uary, with anything like good. Screamuary is the best we can do. Um, but Neve Stabuary. Stabuary. I like Stabuary. I feel like f- January is just a hard one to work with, but it's because like if we have like September, op- <laughs> great, perfect. Stabuary, fuck. No. <laughs> yeah, like it sucks. Um, we have the wrong uh, ending of the month <laughs> right now, um, but yeah, I like Stabuary. I think that's fine. It worked. Okay, fine. We're gonna call it that. We're doing all the screen movies, so strap in, watch them all. I. Scream okay. is on Hoopla, so thanks for your local <laughs> library. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Give her a little kick on her butt, Grace. <laughs>